Every farmer knows even a small fox can kill an enormous crop. Most our lives veer off track in the very same way. Something small sabotages us. What if we could catch and corral these little foxes before all the damage is done? Little foxes. Made you feel like you're watching the National Geographic channel, right? Uh, this series title actually comes from a piece of Hebrew poetry, right? Found in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, where it says, Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming, right? Um, and that's where we got this kind of title of our message. The whole book, in fact, of Song of Solomon is, is an allegory about life and love. In this part of the poem, we're told there's something that can ruin both, that can ruin life and love. But it's not necessarily what we would expect. You see, in a vineyard, grapes, grapes are the goal. And foxes... Foxes are the small things that sabotage that goal slowly over time. It's counterintuitive because most vineyards are so big and vast, right? And a fox is so small. It, 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 it'll make more sense for him to kind of warn against a drought or maybe like a stampede of livestock. But that stuff is enormous, it's big, right? It's obvious. So what this wisdom writer is actually telling us is that we need to pay attention to the little nuisances, right? The nuisances, especially to the ones that almost seem cute and harmless because they can have a much large, larger negative effect over time than you think is possible. In other words, there are things that we have in our life, right, in our, that are going on that are small things, little bitty things to it. Now, maybe you've never dealt with foxes, right? We think of foxes, we think of this, mention no names, right? Well, that's a different day, right? But we think of this fox being so cute and cuddly, right? But you, you've seen the havoc a small animal on your furniture or maybe an opossum getting into the, uh, scattering all the garbage in your, in your trash, right? This isn't the oracle, but the idea is repeated in the New Testament as well. It says in Hebrews 12, therefore, since we let us strip away every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And if you pay attention to that scripture, it kind of talks about the sins that trip us up, right? But it also talks about the other things that maybe are not seen as sin, right? Certain things are, are sinful, right? And we know they trip us up. But there are other things that aren't sinful, but they too trip us up. They slow us down. They may not send you to hell, accomplishing your dreams, and even becoming who you were created to be. 
And whether you combine those verses, and when you combine those verses together, what they're saying is if your life isn't going the way you want it to go, and you're not sure why it's not working out for you, in fact, it's really a small thing, a little bitty thing, or a series of small things that actually and that's the idea behind this series, The Little Foxes. Foxes, number one, the fox of the bad habit, the bad habits, the fox of the fruitless relationships, the fox of a wasted time, and the fox of squandered resources. These four foxes are causing damage to you and who God created you to be and the, your goals and your dreams. So today we're starting off with the fox of bad habits. The fox of bad habits. And we're going to look together and learn from one of the most famous people in the Old Testament. A guy by the name of Moses. Everybody heard of Moses, right? You might be familiar with his name and story. He did a lot of amazing things. But he also had a bad habit that kept popping, kept popping up and throughout, throughout his course of life. And what we see from his life and what we know from experience is this, that nobody chooses bad habits. Nobody chooses bad habits. We sort of kind of slip into them and get stuck there. Right? Nobody woke up and said, oh, man, I can't wait to start smoking a cigarette. Nobody wakes up and says, oh, man, I cannot wait to start telling lies. Oh, I cannot wait to do this. I cannot wait to be lazy. I cannot wait to whatever the bad habits are. We don't wake up and say, yes, we're choosing to do this. We kind of slip into it. Kind of something happens that we kind of just like fall into it. And then we find ourselves stuck there. Here's what I mean. Moses... Moses didn't choose the timing or the place of his birth. He didn't choose to grow up in the environment that he did. He didn't choose to be born or an oppressed, uh, choose to be born an oppressed minority or be adopted by people of power or privilege. We all know the story of Moses, right? They would put him in a basket. Somebody picked up the basket, the Egyptians, and they brought him into the family kind of thing, right? He didn't choose the complexities of being a part of two completely different worlds or the identity crisis that came along with it. He didn't choose the personality or his temperament. And he didn't choose the circumstances he was thrown into. And he definitely wasn't prepared when all these things came together in a pretty significant way all at once. However, he still had the opportunity to choose how he would respond to all of it, right? There's a lot of things that he didn't choose, but he still was given the option to choose how he responded in those situations. Let's read a little bit about it. In Exodus chapter 2, it says, many years later, right, Moses is now a grown adult. He already had been exposed to a certain lifestyle. He had grown up. He went out to visit his own people, 
which were the Hebrews. And he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. Well, this got ugly real quick, right? The last sentence is pretty surprising, right? But I think the whole thing kind of surprised Moses. I imagine him thinking afterwards, man, what did I just do? Like, what just happened here, right? How did I get to this moment where now I am killing someone? We don't get the impression he woke up one day and decided, oh, today I'm going to murder someone, right? I hope that's not what happens, right? Instead, it's more like we're seeing the end game of an unchecked habit, a temper that repeatedly was lost control of. He didn't have a plan. The fact that he buried a guy in the, the dead guy in the sand is reason enough, right? We've all seen enough CSI and, and law and order to know you don't bury the guy. They always find the body, right? Every show that I, they always find the one they dug up, right? They always wind up digging. So we know that this is not something that he had planned. So he runs away leaving his life behind. How did Moses get there? How did this turn? How could, you know, how did things go so wrong for him? Well, I guess it's the same way anybody does. Character erodes incrementally and consequences occur suddenly. Right? Character erodes incrementing, meaning that there are little steps that take place that start to dent, that start to damage the character, and consequences occur really quick. Now, we don't have a tell you we're kind of good. I have a problem with people honking the horn, whether that's me or anybody else. I'm like, why, why? Why be honking the horn, right? That's just me, right? And even if you do, I'm, I'm obviously not saying you're going to end up murdering someone. But we've all had moments where we had the sudden realization that a handful of our attitudes and actions all added up to something less than ideal. We've all ended up somewhere where we didn't plan, wondering how we got there because of these small little things these bad habits that are inside of us. We say things like, wait, how did I gain 50 pounds, right? Like, how did I wind up uh, in, in all of this debt? I don't know why my wife is leaving. I have no idea why I was let go of again. Right? Sometimes we're just not aware of where certain habits are leading. Other times we are, but we just don't want to deal with it, right? So we live in denial of it. Instead of addressing it, we try to sweep it under the rug. We cross our fingers. We make the sign of the cross, right, and hope that it goes away. How many have done that before? Don't, don't raise your hand. 
Don't incriminate anyone here this morning. Which works about as well as, as people thinking, if I ignore this fox, maybe it won't keep getting to the roots of my vineyard. How many times have we ignored something that we kept tripping over? Funny story, my wife this morning, I put my bag where it shouldn't be, right? And um, it, it was right next to something that she needed to get access to, and she moved it so that she can get it, right? And this is going to kind of go counter my benefit because I'm using her as an example. But that, <laughs> you see her face right now. She's like this, right? And that bag was there, and she tripped it, kicked it, right? But she didn't do anything about it. She just left it there in the same spot. The third time around, she kicked it, and then she kicked it back inside. That's the saying that we live in denial. There are things that we trip up on, and we don't want us damaged, that it's slowing us up. And we don't do anything about it. We just leave it there. It would have been easy for her to just take it and throw it at me. <laughs> and she wouldn't have tripped on it again. That's, let's stick to that part of the story, babe, right? Don't add anything else to it. All right? I can see her mind. <laughs> you don't get the front row of the view that I get right now. Which is how things play out for Moses, church. Let's keep reading. The next time in Exodus 32, when they came near the camp, this is a story about when Moses had his time with God on the mountain and came down to the people. Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it. And then he ground it into power, threw it into the water, and forced the people to drink it. That's very dramatic, by the way. Kind of cool, but very dramatic. We assume that because Moses is the spiritual leader, everything he does is holy. Right? This is Moses we're talking about. God gave him the Ten Commandments. We all have that, that video image of Moses, right, standing and walking with the Ten Commandments. Everything he does is holy. But God, God didn't tell him to throw a temper tantrum. He did that all on his own, just following his anger. His response to me is certainly creative, making the people drink up the ground idol, but it's not necessarily helpful. What's interesting about these two moments in Moses' life is that in between the first outburst, right, in between the first one where he gets mad and he kills the Egyptian and him destroying the Ten Commandments, he talked to God in a burning bush. He confronted Pharaoh. He, he saw the ten plagues. He saw God part the Red Sea from the mountain, coming down from engaging in a 40 days conversation with God. So in other words, Moses was like, "Woo! I am feeling it. Man, this is incredible what God is doing. And yet, this is still a problem for him. His anger 
is still a problem. And maybe you've been there. Pastor, man, but I filled out, I said yes to Jesus card. Oh, man, I had my arms lifted up in worship and tears and snot was running down my face. And I was worshiping in spirit and in truth. Oh, man, that message, woo, got my hair standing up. Gave me the woo, right? I felt it. It was incredible. I left church on Sunday moved by the spirit, right? It was incredible, I went to discover one and, well, part of it, because the other part I fell asleep with it. But I thought I'd be different by now, right? I thought God would have fixed me by now. All of these incredible experiences I've had with God. I thought he would have changed me by now. These moments are powerful and beautiful and life-giving, church. But profound spiritual experiences don't excuse us from the practical struggle of establishing healthy habits. In other words, we still have to face ourselves even when we just finish having an encounter with God. The Apostle Paul said it best in Colossians chapter 3. It says, don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Being renewed and stripping off our old nature and putting on our new selves, that's a, that's a pretty big process. It's not something that happens overnight, right? You can't come into church and say, I gave my heart to Jesus and now leave the doors and Expect a robe and a little halo over your head. It doesn't work that way, right? There's a process. That level of change seems like, but here he's putting that responsibility on us, placing it within our reach. So how do we do that? How do we get to that level, right? He tells us that there are two parts. Part one is getting to know God. And part two is learning to become like him. Two different things. Getting to know God and becoming like him. Right? Getting to know God. Those are the profound spiritual experiences that we have. Those encounters where we're in our prayer closet, closet and God meets us there. Right? Or he gives us insight and wisdom when we are worshiping and we, God is doing something in me. You feel the transformation taking place, right? But we also have to learn to become like him. And that happens in the practical struggles of establishing healthy habits. We need healthy habits in order to become like, more like Learn to become like him. But he also had a habit that he never got control of. By the way, Moses' problem wasn't anger. After all, it's not wrong or sinful to be angry, right? Being angry wasn't his problem, but what is, but what is the buildup of that anger doing to him? Right? What is the buildup of that anger doing to him? The habit that kept sabot- <clears throat> excuse me, that habit that kept sabotaging Moses 
was that he had a pattern of surrendering control to his anger, giving in to his anger, which isn't all that unusual. In fact, it's pretty natural, right? It's pretty natural. But just because it's natural, just because it's enjoyable, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's beneficial. When you're angry, and honestly, it usually feels good. It certainly, certainly isn't a handle, but that doesn't mean it's helpful. That doesn't mean it's healthy. It doesn't mean that it's beneficial to you. First Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that everything is permissible. As a, you know, it's permissible to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say that I'm allowed to do anything, but, every, but not everything is beneficial. So think about some of your habits. It doesn't seem, right, it doesn't have to be wrong. They're not sinful or evil. But little foxes are tricky that way, right? They fool us into thinking that they're for you. Is it healthy? Is it leading you towards who you want to be? Maddie and I talk a lot about sports and we talk about creating good habits, right? The things that we should be doing on and off the field to be the better athlete. And there are things that, that don't seem to be wrong, but is it healthy? Is it doing good to you? Is it causing you to... When Moses... When you look at Moses' story, he was always angry for the right reasons. He was always angry for the right eruption. The thing for the right reasons is still wrong. Right motives don't excuse wrong behaviors. Even the best of your motives cannot excuse your wrong behaviors. The reality is that whether positive or negative, most habits take a long time to pay off. Now, Moses eventually turns over 100 years old and leads us to this next story about summon the people to come and gather at the rock. And he says, listen, you rebels, he shouted, must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you do not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the... Because there the people of Israel argued with the Lord and there he demonstrated the holiness among them. God told Moses... He told Moses to speak to the rock, not strike it. He says, speak to the rock. Instead, Moses yells at the people and he, struck, he strikes the rock. It's not a big deal to us. We don't think anything of it when we read the story. But God was very specific and Moses allowed his anger to get the best of him yet again. Losing his temper caused him to disobey God to disobey what God was saying. 
and kept him from demonstrating who God was to his people. I find it interesting that Moses, Moses did the wrong thing and God disciplines him, but he still does the miracle. He still performs the miracle for the people. Sometimes we think that because everything worked out in our favor or God intervened and helped us, that our actions, that our habits don't matter. But that's, that's called God's grace. The consequences of those habits still remain. In the end, Moses' Moses' temper had a <coughs> excuse me. Moses' temper had a massive impact on his life. It didn't completely derail him, but he missed out on God's promise. The very thing he spent his life working and hoping for. A lot of people have the same experience when they feel inspired to do or be something great in life, but it doesn't work out for them because you don't rise to the level of your hopes. You fall to the level of your habits. I'll say that again. You don't rise to the level of your hopes. You fall to the level of your habits. We all have expectations. We all have hopes and dreams. But the things, the, the, what's really happening or really is going to fall into place is the level of your habits. For better or for worse, how far you go in life and who you become along the way is largely determined by your habits. Because our habits drive almost everything that we do. Everything that we do. It drives our marriages. It drives our parenting. It drives how we work. Right? How good or how bad we are in a particular thing is based on our habits. Think about it. Think about anything that you were ever good at. Anything that you ever excelled is because you had some habits that kind of helped you. And anything that you failed at, chances are, is because there were habits in there that were no good. Habits are the difference maker. <coughs> Excuse me. Which is frustrating because we want to believe it's believing in yourself or having a lot of heart, or wanting to do good, or being gifted, or being things that will help us get to the top. But those who succeed and those who fail, for the most part, all have the same goals. They all have the same goals. Moses had a lot of big habits that were good and godly, and you probably do too. But the habits most likely to sabotage you often seem so small and occur so naturally that we don't even think of them as habits. Obviously, Moses was human like us. And I'm sure there were times where he may have felt like, man, certain things just make me so mad. It's not like I'm kind of us justifying 
things as well. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm headed down to, to Burbank. Krispy Kremes in Burbank. Got to get off the freeway and get a crispy box of crispy. Noah, Noah practices in Burbank, or one of the places he practices in Burbank. And every time, Dad, we're going to Krispy Kreme? Yes. Just joking. I wasn't feeling, I wasn't feeling well. I mean, I, I stubbed my pinky and all, but, but yeah, we're still, you and I can still go to every week. I just accidentally schedule other things in place. You see, we tend to think of habits as something that we do intentionally, but it's just something that we do regularly. And when it comes to the things that we do regularly, the question that matters most is, what is all this adding up to? Where is it going? Who is it making me to, into? Because like it or not, you are what you do most often, church. You are what you do most often. In fact, the goal of a good habit isn't to achieve something, but to become someone. The goal of a good habit isn't to achieve something, but to become someone. So let me wrap this up this morning. What a bummer, right? What a bummer that, that Moses became known as the guy who, whose temper kept him from accomplishing this incredible thing. The thing that he was created to be able to do. Especially when his whole life was about that thing. It's like you had one job, Moses. One job. And you messed it up, man. You messed it up. Sometimes we're oblivious. And maybe that was the case for Moses. Maybe he was oblivious. But if you were to ask people around him, those who hung out with Moses, if you were to ask him, man, what is the, the one thing that could keep him from being able to, to take the people to the promised land? What's the one thing that would, would, would deter him from that, that goal? I wonder how many would say, oh, yeah, that guy, man, he has a temper. Sometimes he flips out and, and loses it. It's not intentional, but he does it regularly. I definitely say it's, it's a habit for him. And so I wonder today what the people closest to you the people that you do life with, whether that's your spouse, your children, your colleagues, in Maddie's case, her teammates. I wonder if what the people closest to you would say if someone asked them the same question. What is most likely to keep them from accomplishing their dreams? What would they say? Would it be your temper? Would it be your pessimistic attitude? Would it be 
the small lies, whether it be your laziness, your lack of discipline, what would it be? What is most likely to keep you from accomplishing your dreams and your goals, church? It's likely something so small and insignificant that you've underestimated its impact completely. Most of the time, we know the truth. We just don't want to admit it. If I, be, I believe that if I had a conversation with you one-on-one -on -one and I asked you, hey, what's the one thing that is holding you back? What's that one little thing that you keep tripping over that's holding you from doing and being the person that you want to be? You would say, yeah, man, it's this. We know the truth. We just don't want to admit it. But what if, unlike Moses, you decided to address it before it's too late? So here's what I'm challenging you to do. Here's a practical thing about it. What, what, what if you changed, you changed it before you have to, right? What if you changed before, you make the change before you have to? Most of us like to push our limits. We often wait for some catastrophic. We only move when we're forced to move. Change. Right? We only move when we're forced to move. The problem is that once you strike the rock, it's done again. And that's the message in this verse about the little foxes. Don't wait until the whole crop is ruined to go catch the little fox. The second you notice there's a problem, that's the moment to take action. The moment you see something rising up, the moment you see that bag and you kick it once, you better get it because you might kick it again. Right, Vic? She's not happy. She is not laughing with me whatsoever. And truthfully, this instruction is full of faith. It's telling us you're not doomed, right? You're smart enough to know where this is headed. The fox doesn't have to destroy your life. Play it out in your mind and then change before you have to. See the hurdles. See the trip wires. See the obstacles, right? See the, the, the caution signs before you become a victim to your bad habits. But here's the thing. A habit cannot be erased. It has to be replaced. You can't just erase it and, right, and pretend it does not there, it doesn't exist. No, you got to go in there and you got to replace it. You got to put something else in its place. Something that's going to be beneficial to you. Right? We overturn a habit by practicing its opposite. Right? We overturn a habit by practicing its opposite. If you have a habit of being greedy, then practice generosity to uproot that greediness. 
If you have a habit of selfishness, join a serving team to push you in the direction of, that's opposite of being selfish. If you have a habit of help you move in the opposite direction. If there are things that you're struggling with right now, can't get to the gym, then find somebody that's going to go to the gym with you. Can't stop doing this, then find somebody that's going to help you. Find something that's going to trigger you to do it differently. So the question is, what is it for you? What is the little fox that's running in your vineyard, in your fields? What's that little fox of bad habits that you are carrying around with you? Because once you identify it, then you can begin to replace it with something opposite. Amen?